God, I, uh, I'm just humbled before you that I know that I'm not in control of my own life. That I know that there's no power within me to make things better, um, to make uh, life better. I can't work harder to, um, to make things well with my soul. But God, I have to in complete surrender. And I pray for every soul in this room that they would be in complete surrender. When the waves hit, we won't be touched. When the waves hit, God, we can stand because we're covered by the blood of Jesus. No matter what's going on in life right now, God, that it can be well with my soul when turmoil is happening all around me. God, because we tend to thrive um, when things are good, but when things are good, we can also easily forget about you, but it's in the storms. It's in the storms that we have to cry out, and you give us peace beyond understanding. So I beg that for hearts this morning that are here, that there would be peace beyond understanding, God, that we can say, it is well with my soul because I'm at peace with God. God, we need you so much, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. A couple things I want to mention is that um, Jimmy and Ruth, are Jimmy and Ruth back there? Or they, did, they, did they? Okay, they're in here somewhere. But uh, over here. Okay, you, see, th this is good. I like it. Last Sunday you sit somewhere else. Screw me all up. This is that's good. All right. Um, but Jimmy and Ruth, it's their last, there he is, there's Jimmy, but it's their last Sunday here. Um, we, we were able to celebrate them a few weeks ago, and so I'm going to pray for them in a moment. Um, but it's also, I see Pablo and Bethany here. Are they here somewhere? Right there. See, this is their first time here, so why don't you guys stand up so everybody can see who you are. You've been here before, but this is Pablo and Bethany. He's going to hate me. They're both going to hate me for doing this to them, um, but they're going to be with us for a month or so. And uh, you'll see Pablo up here. You'll hear from them and everything. So we really want to encourage you guys to reach out to them, to spend some time with them. They're, they're all right. They're okay. Um, they're cool people, though. We love them. And this is my, actually my first time since I've been back from vacation that I'm meeting eye to eye with them. So hi, guys. Um, but uh, So I'm going to pray for all of them in a moment. As well, I want to pray for you guys um, and pray for myself this morning because uh, there's really part of our goal, and we, just, we don't just want it to come and preach at you every Sunday morning, right? We don't just want to show up on Sunday and be Sunday Christians and then go out and be like, hey, good, good word, you know, at the door, and then we forget about it during the week. And I think that we do that because Satan constantly lies to us all week long. He, he gets us in the groove of life, and then we forget what our mission is actually about. And so a question that I want to ask this morning, and part of what we want to proclaim to you is freedom in Jesus, right? So often we can show up at church and, um, and we walk in the door and we feel like, okay, I'm at church. Like even, even my daughter this morning, she was like, um, she, she put on like shorts and a t-shirt this morning and she's sitting at the table and so I give her a kiss goodbye. She's like, dad, where are you going? Um, and she's like, is it church day? Mom, is it church day? And she's like, yeah. She's like, I'm going to go change because i got to put a dress on. And we're both like, no, you don't have to change. You look good. You, you're great. You can wear whatever. And Judah was even like, Margo, you can wear whatever you want. To, to. And Micaiah, he just never cares. He doesn't, whatever, he just doesn't care. Um, but anyway, it was like, you know, we, get, we like gear up for church day, right? 
but why is this any different from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? When the truth of God is just as real for us as it is when we walk in this building. Actually, it should be more real for us as we go out from this place beyond these walls and live to occupy our street with the gospel of Jesus, right? Because our hope is that after we leave here, you're inspired enough to spend time on a daily basis with Jesus and with God being strengthened by him. Romans 2 says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing, constant renewing of your mind. And so a question I have for you this morning is to make this personal and to to really think. So I want everybody just to close your eyes right now, not look around at the person next to you. But I want you to ask yourself, what this morning is holding me captive? In other words, what today in my life has over me? What sin am I struggling to give up? What guilt can I not let go of? What am I held captive by? What is the thing that Satan keeps putting in front of me that is keeping me from living in the freedom that the Son of God, Jesus, brings through the blood of the cross? If there's anything between you and the blood of the cross this morning, identify it right now. Identify it right now. And so this is the the prayer I want to pray over you and over myself this morning as we dig in to the word, but that if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. If the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. So let's just pray together. Keep your eyes closed. And we're just going to beg God for this. God, we, we believe in Jesus. And we want more than anything to make the name of Jesus great. We want to proclaim his name. God, we want to uh, live lives that make his name great. But so many of us, God, right now are struggling to claim his name and the truth that his blood covers us. We're struggling to claim that for ourselves this morning because there's something holding us captive. So God, I pray on every soul in the room, if Jesus has set them free, if they've given their heart to you, God, because of Jesus' blood on the cross, that they would know freedom this morning, that I would know freedom this morning. And I pray against the lies of Satan in their life right now. God, that when we fear, when we feel guilt, when we're held captive by something, it always comes back to a lie. So I pray God, that in these moments you would help every person in this room to trace it back to whatever lie they're believing. God, really, if they miss the the rest of the message, I just pray that by the end of service today that they would be able to trace it back to whatever lie they're believing and be set free from it because that's why Jesus died. To save us from the penalty of our sin, but to set us free. So I pray freedom for every person here. I pray for Jimmy and Ruth as this is their last week with us. We've been so blessed by knowing them. And I just pray your blessing on them as they um, move on and get to spend some more time with their family. Um, God, I just pray for um, continued uh, fruitful ministry for them as they occupy their new street. And um, 
And God, we're just, just uh, thankful for them, so thankful that they've been here. Thank you that Pablo and Bethany um, and Carolina are with us. And uh, we just, uh, we're just thankful that we get a chance to spend some time with these awesome people before we send them off to Romania. And I uh, just pray for fr fruitful ministry for them as well. We love you, God, and we need you. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. So we talk about occupying your streets. Again, occupying your street. Your street is not just where you live. It includes where you live, but it's everywhere you go on a regular basis. It's everybody that you run into on a regular basis. What is our job? Occupy our street with what? With Jesus. I love it. That's like, I'm looking for the church answer here. Thank you, Brandon. It's Jesus. Occupy our street with the love of Jesus. So I want to read to you. We have a, an email set up, storiesfrommystreet at creeksidedm.com. Good luck remembering that. Um, but storiesfrommystreet at creeksidedm.com. And I want to read to you some stories from you that have been sent in to this email just to inspire you um, to go occupy that street. But one story sent in. It says, each Sunday I, I hear Occupy My Street. I was thinking of my sister. For the past five years, she's been estranged from the family off and on. When I would see her and talk to her, I would always invite her to church and tell her um, or tell her something about my job. I would throw out little seeds to her. Sometimes she would act interested in what I had to say, and others she would totally blow off. She would say uh, that she has to work, or she would tell me that she would want to come to church but never show up. Many Sundays I sat in my chair wondering if she would show up, which it would be a no. Months went by without talking to her. Then one day out of the blue, I texted her and asked her to go to lunch. She said yes, which you have to understand, she says yes a lot, but then it's a no. So I thought this was another one of those times. So I also want, have been praying for her in our relationship. I wanted God to show, show me how to reach her because nothing I was doing was working. Um, back to our lunch date. She did show up. We visited for a little while. Uh, after we ate lunch, she left. Again, I asked her to come to church with me. She said she would. Again, didn't show up. A couple of weeks go by, and I texted her and asked her to come over for dinner. She came, and by the end of the meal, she asked me, hey, what time's church start? She said she wanted to come on Sunday. I told her I would be watching for her full well knowing that she probably wouldn't come, but she did. Last Sunday, my sister came to church. Then yesterday, I got a text from her during our staff meeting, and it said, I'm glad I went to church, and I would like to go again this Sunday. As you can imagine, my heart was so full of joy, and I was thanking God because something, uh, she said, that something that was said during the church service resonated with her. The moral of the story is just keep seating. I love that. Another one, my wife and I were talking, we're walking at the mall, and I sat down on the bench, and she, uh, as she used the ladies' room, I asked the guy sitting there if he watched the basketball games last night. He said, I wish I did, but uh, was sleep in the van because we're homeless. While, I while talked, we talked a while, I found out a little bit about his history, and then it was time to move on. He didn't ask for anything, but I offered him a $20 bill. His response, no, I cannot, I cannot have any money or I would use it for the wrong thing. But you may, give it, you may give it to her, he said. I gave the money to his wife, her companion, and they were both so thankful. I did not give any lectures about how to spend the money, but in parting I said, God bless you, Jesus loves you. He said, I, I really believe that, but I sure don't live it. Yes, 
I, uh, yes, I may have been scammed, but who cares? Either way, I'm sure they needed the small amount of money more than I do. I hope this couple saw a little bit of God's love, just knowing someone cared. Just maybe God placed those people in my life to give them this small opportunity to occupy my street. Another one, and I'm going to say his name because uh, he's not in here, but um, this is awesome because it's a kid occupying his street. Preston, um, Preston's passion to occupy his street began the moment he started kindergarten. That year, uh, that year, he asked if he could write a book and share it with his class. His teacher agreed. That book that he wrote and illustrated was all about Jesus. I was there that day and saw the interest of the children's faces, who were normally fidgety, sitting there quietly in all of the great news that Preston was sharing. Afterwards, he got many questions about what he presented. Some kids even shared how they go to church and believe. It was so amazing to witness how he sparked a little conversation about our Lord in a public school. Now that, now that he's in first grade, his passion has only gotten richer. I've been told by his teacher on numerous occasions how he has stopped and prayed out loud over kids who were being bullied, were hurt on the playground, or sad for whatever reason. A girl who didn't know about Jesus told Preston that the day after he prayed for her, she felt better and her issue had gone away. Preston pointed out how that was the work of Jesus. Praise the Lord. We couldn't be more proud that our seven-year-old son is on a mission to occupy his street. Mike and I often pray that we would be more like him. I'm like, that's like me too. I'm like, shoot, dude, I just got to, went to school from a seven-year-old. That's awesome. Another one, I was having lunch by myself yesterday. I was sitting with my eyes shut and praying. The waitress came by and apologized for being slow. I said, that's okay. I'm praying for my two grandsons who are, who are in harm's way. She said, that's wonderful. My devotion this morning was on being still and knowing that I am God. We had a brief visit and many smiles between us. She was such a sweetie. It's so simple. I love that. Another one. We stopped in Jacksonville, Florida on our way to Miami to visit a cousin of my husband. He had not talked to her in several years. They found each other on Facebook. We were so excited. Well, when, when we got there, we found a broken down trailer court and a depressed lady. She was just as excited to see us as we were to see her. We sat down, and she just started telling us her story. She was abused by her father when she was a child. She married young into an abusive relationship. She had a very serious car accident where her little boy, five years old, was killed, and her daughter, a couple years old, was seriously injured. His cousin was in a coma for a month and almost died. She was found to have drugs and alcohol in her system, and her and her kids were not in car seats. She lost custody of her daughter, was sentenced to 20 years in prison. She served eight years and is now out on parole. She's having a hard time getting a job. She was crying all the time while talking to us. We had not known about any of this. We were, needless to say, shocked. A year ago, I would have turned and ran. But we just started talking to her about our love for the Lord and what he has done in our lives. We encouraged her to open her heart to the Lord, that she needed to forgive herself. We talked about heaven and what it will be like. We told her that she needs to love God with all her heart and soul. We encouraged her to seek out a church in her area. I'm just so thankful for our small group. We would not have known what to say or even had the confidence to talk to this lazy lady if it was not for our small group. Well, we exchanged phone numbers, and I plan to check into a Celebrate Recovery group that might be in her area 
I believe God was speaking through us to this spiritually dead person. I love that. There is opportunities every single day to occupy your street. So today we're going to continue in our Fruit of the Spirit series. Um, seriously hope you've benefited um, from this. Bob last week kept me up on Thursday at 2 a.m. driving back from Connecticut. So that was awesome. He did not put me to sleep, so that was good. Good for you, Bob. It was awesome. But uh, a couple things I want you to remember. The fruit of the Spirit is singular, right? It's like the fruitcake. And Bob, again, thank you for calling that our mascot. Okay, that was cool. Fruitcake's our mascot for this this series, fruit, the fruit of the Spirit is singular. When we live lives led by the Spirit of God, we will, we will produce the fruit of the Spirit. It's not just like I need to work on this one, this one, I'm good with that one, work on this one, this one. No, all of them will begin to come out in your life as you live day by day by the Spirit of God. But here's the thing, it doesn't just happen. We're going to talk in a moment how in our hearts we are wicked. We are wicked. We're not naturally good. So following the Holy Spirit of God doesn't come naturally to us. We have to every day be renewed by his word and by prayer and asking God to give us power in the Holy Spirit to live the way he wants us to live. And if we do that, we will produce the fruit of the Spirit. So my first challenge to you after this week is every day next week, pray, God help me live by the power of the Holy Spirit. Help me live by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a simple prayer, but we forget, so we need the reminder. We desire to live the most effective lives possible for the kingdom of God now, the fruit of the Spirit was lived out perfectly in the person of Jesus Christ while he was on earth. So he becomes our ultimate example. As we live our lives for the kingdom, we want people to see God for who he is through the way that we live. The fruit of the Spirit is a partial, get this, okay? It's only a partial reflection of who God is. He is all these things perfectly, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He's, he's all these things. But God is so much more than that. I mean, he really is knowable, but he's also unknowable because he's so much bigger than we could ever fathom or imagine, and yet he wants to know us on an intimate level. And so for us to desire to live out the fruit of the Spirit is for us to desire to show the world who God is by the way that we live. My wife often prays this, and I love it. She often prays that we today would be a reservoir of the fruit of the Spirit. I mean, that's just another form of asking God to let us live by the Holy Spirit. So today we're going to talk all about goodness. I want to lay down some uh, some groundwork here for you, but um, we're going to see similarities to goodness and kindness, what Bob talked about last week, but here we go. Matthew 6, 19 through 21, you can look on the screen. I'm gonna, um, today I'm going to kind of blaze through some verses. We're going to be all over the place in scripture, but it should be on the screen. So here we go. Matthew 6, 19 to 21. It says, do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. 
But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The question is, what am I working for? Where is my heart? What is my motive? You remember a couple months ago, we talked about the fact that we always protect our greatest investments. If my greatest investment is here on earth and on earthly things, I will live then even more fervently for earthly things because I want to protect the investments I have made on earth, right? But if my investment is in heaven by the way that I live my life and by the way that I love God and by the way that I love people, then I will protect that investment by living even more fervently for the kingdom of God. Through a few motives of mine that I was thinking about this week is I was really like, Nick, think about this. Why do you want to live for the kingdom of God? And so here's a few motives of mine. Number one, to give God glory. First and foremost, before anything for myself, number one motive is the glory of God. And number two is that lost people, people who are far from God, come to Jesus for salvation. God, give glory to God and get people to know who Jesus is because that's a goal. I want you to get this thought in your head. How can I make the name of Jesus great? If you live, it's so simple. Living every day to occupy your street, how can I make the name of Jesus great today? Because it really comes down to what Jesus has done for us. And number three, motive of mine is treasure. It's treasure. Here's a thought. The road to treasure in heaven is paved with goodness. The road to treasure in heaven is paved with goodness. Now, kindness, what Bob talked about last week, and he got pretty specific, which I like that, is a part of goodness. But we're going to pick this apart here. This is what I don't mean. I don't mean that we could ever earn God's love, because get this, he loves you anyway. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how bad you are. He loves the good person as much as the bad person, the way we see good and bad. It does not matter because he loves you anyway, so you can't earn that love. You can't earn your salvation. We can't even earn favor from God on a day-to-day basis because he already loves us so much more than we can ever imagine, and he can't love us any more or less. He accepts us, so we choose to obey. He also promises to reward us and give us treasure in heaven for the way that we live for his kingdom here on earth. Jesus also said, whatever you do for the least of these, you do for him. And so we build up treasure in heaven. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So when we live for the kingdom of God, maybe, maybe, okay, I want you to get this through your head. Maybe you'll reap here on earth. But I can promise you, you will reap in heaven, right? That's not that exciting, honestly, right? So I got to wait for heaven for this? But listen, the benefits of living for the kingdom of God and in the freedom of Jesus Christ extend far beyond just eternity because eternity starts now. He offers freedom and peace in our hearts on a daily basis as we walk in that freedom. Imagine that. Most of the world does not have peace. 
Most of the world is kept in bondage from the peace that only God brings through Jesus Christ. But we can know that? We can know peace on a daily basis? That's crazy. Are you kidding me? That should be the best news that we could ever bring to the world around us. You run into people every day who are hurting. Bring a message of peace. Internal peace. This is, this is amazing. I'm, get, I'm, I'm, really, I'm getting nothing here. Okay? And I think maybe that's a reflection of the fact that we all want peace. And we're trying to figure it out. Right? It only comes through Jesus. I was back in Connecticut this last, these last two weeks, week and a half really, with my family, and it was awesome. I was talking to my aunt, um, and she was asking how things with church are going, things with Preacher and Jim Guy are going, and, and at one point I described to her a goal of mine. So I want you to, if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 17. We're going to be in verse 22. It's going to be on the screens as well, but it's also a good idea to get used to opening your Bibles. You get used to opening your Bibles here at church, whether it's your physical Bible or your phone or whatever, you'll get used to opening it at home, all right? Acts chapter 17, verse 22. I just want to read a short part of a story for you. It says this, So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious, for as I passed along and I observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling. Now, I'm going to pause there for a second. This was just a cool thought. It has nothing to do with the, the message, but it's a cool thought. Okay, if you ever doubted that, you were, that, that God has a purpose for you in your life, that one, I read that verse, and I'm like, I've read this story a thousand times, but that verse stuck out to me, having determined allotted periods in the boundaries of their dwelling place. Knowing that, that God has you alive right now, where you live, for a purpose. So you have a place in the kingdom of God. You've got a purpose in the kingdom of God. And so we want to keep going until we figure out what that is, but, and here's what it is. Occupy your street with the love of Jesus. It says, having determined a lot of periods in the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. Here's the deal. I want to be like Paul. He sought to know and understand the people in that culture and then meet them where they were at. Because... People today want what they don't even know they need. People are generally spiritual. God created all people spiritual with a spiritual need. People are either spiritually dead or spiritually alive. 
All people are created as spiritual beings meant to have relationship with God. Not everybody will. The Bible's clear about that. People are generally spiritual and they're looking for something more. So our job is to proclaim to them who that need really is. Not what that need really is. It's a who. It's Jesus is their need. Here is who you are seeking, even if you don't know that you need him. Our goal is to show people who God really is. We want people to know God, not a version of God that they have built in their minds based on the actions of his followers, right? We're, we're made perfect in God's eyes, but we're not in action always perfect, but by the way that we live, we want people to know who God really is. So here's the thing. Goodness, like kindness, gives us an opportunity for people to show that. Goodness acted out in life opens people's ears to hear the message that we want them to hear. Goodness is the platform that attracts them to what we want them to know. So you get what I'm saying? We want people to be receptive to the message of the gospel and the love of Jesus. But if we live a life that is not godly and not good, we lose the right to speak into the lives of those that are lost around us because that just doesn't make sense to them. They can't get it through their minds how these people can talk this way and say these certain things about the Bible, and about who God is, yet they live like garbage. That just doesn't make sense to the world around us. I'm not saying that we live perfection, because that's impossible, because Jesus died so that we could receive grace when we mess up, but we live consistent lives in line with the character of God, because it's God who we want people to know. So, now we need to define goodness. I know it's like halfway through the message and I'm just defining goodness, but I wanted to convince you of a why. You now know the why. Why do we even need to live good lives? I thought it was all about the grace of God. So if I mess up, he, he has already forgiven me. So why do I need to worry about living out goodness, right? Because we want people to know who God really is. And they're never going to know who God is really is if his people don't live out godly character. So I want you to write this down. If you're, if you're writing anything down, if not, get your phone out, text it to your, your spouse or brother or sister or someone in the room that will give it back to you later on. Here's the definition of goodness that we're going to work from today. It's living out godliness towards others. Goodness is simply living out godliness towards others. Now, what Bob talked about last week, kindness, is part of that, and he was very specific. Kindness needs to what? We're going to see if, if Bob is as awesome as he thinks he is. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I remember him. I didn't have to look back. I remember him from 2 a.m. in the morning. What's number one? What, what is kindness? Kindness needs to what? Meet a need. Good. And number two? Avoid harshness. I love that. Good job. Even though you are his son, I'll let that pass. All right? Kindness needs to meet a need and avoid harshness. Goodness is living out godliness towards others. Psalm 86, 5 says, For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. 
Psalm 145.9 says, The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. God, in his very nature, defines what it means to be good. And I want to tell you this. We will not, we will not always understand what God does. But we can trust that whatever he does is good. That's hard to see sometimes. We may not always understand what God does, but we can trust that whatever he does is good. God is good. He defines what goodness is. If we want to live out godly character, then here's the deal. We need to know what God is like. How do we know what God is like? We've got to be spending time in his word. You can't know what God is like without spending time with him. You can't know what God is like without immersing yourself in his word. So if, if this all sounds good to you, and yet this week you're going to go home and not make any effort to build a habit of getting in his word, you got to ask yourself the question, do I really want to know God? Do I really want to live him out? Right? It's not a guilt trip. This is what God wants for us. This is what freedom is, to be in relationship with him. So we've got to be spending time with God. We're designed by God to have relationship with him and enjoy everything that he has made, to live with him forever, to give God glory and to reveal that glory to the world around us. Here's the problem, that no human heart is good. Did you know that? Your heart is not good. We're not naturally good-willed. It's hard to believe. We want to look at the world around us and say, hey, people are generally good. Because we see people who are far from God doing seemingly good things, right? If we really believe that people are generally good, that people are born into goodness, even if, if we believe that in our subconscious, then what we see when, when people actually do appalling things, when people do wrong we see that as appalling, and we have a really hard time being gracious with people who do these wrong things. And then we end up having a worldview that assumes that my own goodness can be enough to save me. If I assume that I am born good, then why can't my own actions save me? Right? But it's just not true. So it's coming, we're coming from a faulty assumption that is just not, this is just not from God. Romans 3, 10 through 12 says, No one is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All having turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. This sounds like bad news. The good news is coming. Don't worry. Psalm 14, 1 through 3 says, The fool says in his heart there is no God. They're corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there is any who understand who seek after God, they have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. But here's the deal. If we believe that people are by nature evil, then we see it doesn't sound like a good thing to, to assume that everyone's evil. But if it's God's truth, then it's the only truth that's going to lead us to freedom. Okay? So if we believe that people are by nature evil, then we end up having a worldview that sees it as a complete miracle from God when people are changed by Jesus and live out goodness for the glory of God. You understand that? 
we see that we cannot possibly do this life or earn anything good on our own. So we have no choice but to fully and completely put our lives in surrender to the hands of Jesus. Right? When we look at ourselves in comparison to others, when we assume that every heart is evil, then judgment has absolutely no place. The great lie that Satan wants the world to believe is that people are generally good. Because if people are generally good, then we start thinking things like, why would God punish good people? Why would God allow such tough things to happen to such good people? A few years ago, I don't know, Pablo, maybe you can help me with this. I don't know the, the name of the song. But there's a lyric in one of the ineloquent songs that, that Pablo is a part of um, that says this. The question is not, why do bad things happen to good people? The question is, why do good things happen to bad people, people like me? Is that right? You remember that? He's like, yeah, I remember it. I wrote it. <laughs> I love that lyric. The time when a person realizes their brokenness is when God heals. Everyone is broken. That's the truth. Everyone is broken. But to realize our brokenness and ask God for spiritual healing is what actually makes us good, right? God makes us good. Then we live that out. We don't live it out so that we can be good. God changes us. God makes us good. And then we live it out. No amount, get these, here's the comparison, no amount of good actions coming from a spiritually broken person will save anyone. But good actions coming from a person because they have been healed and made good by God can lead people to the love of Jesus. So we live out godliness toward others. That's goodness. Matthew 5.16 says this, and this has kind of been um, a mantra of my wife Heather's lately. She brought my attention to this verse a couple weeks ago, but, and I love it. Let's, Matthew 5.16 says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works, period. No, it doesn't stop there. It says, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. See, so the reason that we live out good works is not so it's like, hey, look at me, I'm awesome, right? It's to say, hey, look at God, he's awesome. Look at God, he's awesome. Look at Jesus, he can save you. But unless my words match with my life, no one is ever going to believe that. Do you get what I'm saying? Some of you should be really happy about the way you're living your lives right now, and some of you should be really convicted. In preparing this message, I say it all the time, but in preparing this message, I speak the message to myself over and over and over again during the week, and I was really convicted by this. Because in my interaction with people on my street every day, I've got to ask the question, does my life match up with what I say I believe, right? It's no different for, for me as a pastor than you as not a pastor. But guess what? The Bible defines you, if you are in Christ, as a priest. 
Did you know that? The Bible says that you, if you believe in Jesus for salvation, are a priest. Okay? So people walk into a church and they see a pastor preaching from up front. But you are all that. You are all priests. You don't need me on your bedside stand every day. I wouldn't want to be there, but you wouldn't need me there saying, hey, read your Bible. Hey, read your Bible. Hey, read your Bible. Hey, live like this. Hey, live like this. It would get quite annoying. You are able to read the Bible and do what it says because you have the Spirit of God living inside of you just as much as I do or any of our preachers or any of our elders or anyone else in this room. You have God's Spirit living inside of you. So we wrap up. We are not acting in goodness to earn a good position with God. We let God make us good through belief in Jesus. Then we act in goodness to lead other people to Christ. Goodness is living out godliness toward other people. Proverbs 3.27 says, Do not withhold good from those who it is due when it is your, in your power to do it. Do good. I mean, how often do we talk ourselves out? How often do we talk ourselves out of kindness? Remember, Bob talked last week. It's not random. It should be all the time. That's just part of, if you're living the Spirit of God, kindness should be a part of who you are, right? Goodness should be a part of who you are, just living out godly character. How often do we miss out on the blessing that could be from actually doing that good, whether the blessing is internal or external. Luke 6:27 says, "But I, this is Jesus talking, say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you." We tell our kids all the time when they come and tell us so and so was mean to me or even if it was brother and sister. Lately, it's been a brother or sister at our house. When they start acting like they hate each other. I even told my kids the other day, "Do y'all love each other?" Because if anyone else walked in our house right now, they would think you hate each other, right? But what we try to teach them is we ask the question, hey, okay, we sympathize with them. We know you're hurt. We know so-and-so was mean to you. But how do we treat people who are mean to us? And their answer is nice. We treat them kindly. We treat them with love. We are nice to people who are mean to us because we're living out godly character. Galatians 6, 9 again says, let us not grow weary of doing good. Because here's the truth. The only way that living out godly character, the only way that living out godliness towards others is not exhausting, is if you're doing it in the power of the Holy Spirit of God, right? Because we can get up and keep just trying, keep trying. We can act out of guilt. We can act out of, out of compulsion. We can act out of obligation. We can act out of all these things and be checkmark Christians, but that's not what we want. We want to be people who are so in love with Jesus because what he's done for us that we ask every day, and we acknowledge that because of Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit. And then we can live out godliness towards other people and not get totally wiped out and exhausted by it. Because you're not always going to get back friendliness. You're not always going to get back kindness. And you're not always going to get people reciprocating goodness to you when you live it out. It can be exhausting. So, tomorrow morning or whenever you want to do this, pick up your Bible and be refreshed and renewed by the Spirit of God. Because then it will be freeing, not exhausting. So we conclude this, that goodness in the context of the fruit of the Spirit is living out godliness toward others. That no one is naturally 
good. So we cannot do enough good to become right with God. But we acknowledge our brokenness to God and he heals us and he changes us and he makes us good. And then out of the good treasure of our hearts that God has placed there and he's transformed us, we lead other people to God by living out the godliness that he has put in us by the spirit of God. And we lead people to Jesus. So the band's going to come back up. And when I think about the mission that God has us on, when I think about what Jesus wants me to do, when I think about the freedom that Jesus wants me to live in and the kind of life that he wants me to, to lead, i got to think about the fact that none of it is possible without the blood of Jesus. The reality of what we're about to do has got to be first and foremost front and center. I'm so thankful that when God looks at me, because I know my own heart, I know my own heart. When God looks at me, he sees a good heart because it's been changed by the blood of Jesus. Like you got to answer that question for yourself this morning. Like maybe you have been saved for a long time, but you just don't regularly claim that truth over your own life like be reminded of it like be serious with yourself you know your own heart I know my own heart how thankful are you that Jesus blood makes you good a godly heart I've been given a godly heart because of Jesus. And so that's what we're going to celebrate now. We're going to worship some more together. And there's two tables up front. There's one in the back. If you know Jesus, come to the table and remember that and be thankful that he has given you a good heart. If you never come to the point where you've given your life to Jesus and you said, Jesus, I want to I walk away from my sin. I want you to be Lord of my life. And I'm saying this. Maybe everybody in the room is saved. But I'm saying this to you too because we got to be reminded that there's people out there who are far from God. That's why we do this, to remember Jesus so we're inspired to be thankful, but also go and tell everyone on our street about him. So I'm going to pray, and let's confront those questions this morning. God, just thank you that you have made us good through the blood of Jesus. I pray, again, just for, for freedom, knowing that my heart is no longer Evil is made good because of Jesus, but it's got nothing to do with what I do. So I want to live out that godliness towards other people. So as we remember Jesus now, I pray, God, that he would just receive the glory, that we would remember what we were saved from so that we can go out and live and love a, a dying world around us with the love of Jesus and see people come to salvation and the kingdom of God grow. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen. God, we just beg that every day you would lead us to the cross of Jesus, that our hope is in Jesus, that we would make the name of Jesus great with what we say and what we do, God, that we would live out godliness toward other people, that we would desire to know God more, that we would desire to have a deep, intimate relationship with you, God, that when we know you, we can live you out and give you glory by proclaiming who you are.
to this world around us by the way that we live. And Father, no matter what, where every heart is in the room this morning, whatever they're going through, God, I pray that they would be led to the cross of Jesus because nothing is more powerful than the blood of Jesus. We believe that this morning, God, and, and we need to live that. We love you and we need you in Jesus' name. Amen. Stay with us while we sing one more song that is just going to send us out and, and that, that God would reign in us and that when he and his Holy Spirit reigns in us, we live out the kingdom of God in this world. So let's sing this out.